Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. We have been just been preaching about um, certain virtues um, that we think are really, really important and inherent to biblical leadership. And uh, we've, we've talked about humility. We've talked about having courage. Uh, and today we'll just talk about being good. Everybody say being good. Yeah, just we need our leaders to be good people. Amen. Amen. Now, you would, would you agree with that? I, you know, I'm going to agree with myself. Pastor Tim, I think we do need our leaders to be good people. Um, and so we'll talk about that. But before I do, um, one of the things um, that I do is, um, you know, some people don't like hearing themselves talk. But I guess if you're going to be a pastor, you actually have to like that a little bit. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I do go back and I listen uh, to my messages every week. A lot of times, probably because I'm afraid, man, did I say that? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, man, I feel so bad. You know, so I'm like, oh, I didn't say that. Praise God. You know, my mind is going like a, a thousand miles a minute. And I immediately, when I get off, the enemy be right there just trying to work. And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't. Oh, maybe. And so sometimes when I'm going back, I'm just like, oh, praise God. I didn't actually do what I thought I did. And then sometimes I do. I'm like, oh, God, I did what I thought I did. I'm so sorry. Um, one of the things that, as I was kind of listening back, that I just want to make sure um, I clarify to you. Um, you know, my spiritual gift is not passion. So I'm not, I, don't get very, I don't get wound up a lot, you know. And I don't hit pulpits and clap, and that's not me. I'm more of a reserved kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> amen, amen. It's how you see yourself. My truth, this is my truth, amen. <laughs> Um, but no, for real though, uh, I do get passionate um, and I just want to make sure you understand um, my heart. First of all, we want you to become good, godly leaders. Every one of you. We have a phrase that we toss around here at the Avenue where we say whether it's true or not or, you know, the nuances or not. Uh, or something that you know you can work out behind the scenes somewhere else. But we want everybody to be ordainable. We say that because we really do. We want everybody in here to have the spiritual attributes and the character that would qualify them to be leaders at any church at anywhere on this planet at some point in their life. Amen, somebody. So we, we, I rebuke any kind of notion of, if you walk in this place right now and you're like, oh no, I know I'm not a leader, that's demonic. That is absolutely, that ain't of God. That's not even humility. That ain't of God. We want everybody to grow in their scriptural knowledge and godliness and in the character. That's just being a Christian. At some point, if you've been walking with the Lord for some decades, somebody should say, oh, that's what Christians look like. I should follow them. Amen, likes and laws. Amen, I appreciate it. So everybody in the room should be aspiring towards leadership, right? That's a noble thing. Absolutely. Paul says, hey man, those who desire to be leaders, that is a, a godly aspiration. We want you to desire to be a leader. In that same vein, um, man, I was, I was coming hard at some points. And sometimes I'll say, we don't want leaders. And this is my own self-critique. I just want to make sure you understand here, my heart. Man, when I say those things and I'm super passionate, that is not saying that we don't want you. It just means we don't want you before it's time. 
we don't want to pull you out of the oven before you're all the way done. And we won't feel forced either. Oh, and it's about time for such and such? Mm -mm. No, it's not time. We can wait because we love them and we love every one of you and we are invested in you and we want nothing more for you than to become the person that is we can follow behind. All right, so I want everybody in here to know that, that our biggest prayer for you is that you would become a leader um, and even one that could be recognized in the official capacity, right? Because all of us are leaders in our own right. Um, but when the whole church is able to put that stamp and say, yes, they got that stuff that we read about, amen. That's what we're aspiring to. So everybody say, I want to be a leader. And my church wants me to be a leader. Say, my church wants me to be a leader. Amen, amen. Um, man, I was watching uh, a show, and uh, this guy, he's some kind of filmmaker, and they were, he was being interviewed about whatever documentary or whatever story he was getting ready to do, and they were like, man, tell us about this documentary. It's so fascinating. And then they were like, hey, man, we know that, man, you've encountered a lot of challenges to get this documentary or whatever off the ground. And the guy goes on to proceed, and he was like, yeah, man, I was robbed three times, and, you know, I had my footage destroyed and all this kind of stuff, but I kept persisting through because I still believe in humanity and the universe. And I was like, oh, okay. If I got my footage destroyed, I'm out on humanity. I'm like, negative. I do not believe in human beings just being good, <laughs> okay? And I don't believe the universe is causing those human beings to all of a sudden change their behavior patterns and just be good people. I'm out, negative. Also, I thought it was funny this morning as I was deep in prayer and meditation, I learned that there was um, some kind of glitch in the banking system in Ireland and all of a sudden, People started sharing a text message or on social media that you could go into any ATM at a certain bank and you could withdraw up to $1,000 over what you had in the bank. Now here's what's so funny about good people in this good universe. You know how good they were? They showed, <laughs> them mugs showed up to the ATMs in their pajamas to withdraw money they knew they didn't put in the bank. That's how good humanity is. Listen, man, I wanna show you really and briefly throughout scripture, in a lot of the epistles, whether John wrote them, whether Paul wrote them, in the final kind of uh, closing, there's always, there, there is really this common refrain. It, it seems really simple and we can oversimplify it. It's always this idea of doing good. It's like, hey bro, don't forget to do good. Yeah, I told you about justification, conversion, regeneration, sanctification, glorification, all the Asians. But hey, oh, by the way, keep your theology tight. But don't forget to do. Amen. And I just want to remind y'all that being good is not natural. It's not easy. But it is a standard for all biblical leaders. And so let's return again to our text real quick. It says, therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to how many people? All people, especially, everybody say especially, to those who belong to the family of believers. I, um, I preached this verse at, um, uh, good Lord, Rachel and Mackenzie's wedding. And I just, man, I've been dwelling on this. No, I didn't preach this first then? 
Rebecca and Mackenzie's wedding. Sorry, I knew I got one of them right. That's how I love it. At least you don't get married and your own daddy say, I now pronounce you, what, what? Jim and Tina. Brother, you are my daddy. You don't know my name, bro. You know, sorry. Maybe he was nervous. I don't know. Maybe so. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. Ready, anyway. That was funny. At least he didn't put it on a marriage license. Therefore, this, this simple chapter, Galatians is a short book. I encourage you, man, if you're looking for some devotional material, you can read this, um, you know, in one sitting on the way, um, on the way home uh, or this whole week. Um, it's really easy, really short read. Once you get to the sixth chapter, um, it is all kind of, like I said, this is the final, last little bit of what Paul has to say to these people. And really, he's just finished Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, right? And, and he, you know, he kind of lays out here are these, these sins that people who are part of Christ, who have the new life in Christ, we don't participate in these things no more. Matter of fact, these things in Galatians 5, this patience, this kindness, this gentleness, these things kind of should be increasing, this should be our mark. And then Galatians 6, as a matter of fact, these first 14, 15 verses are really just about doing good to everybody. That's it. Just do good to all people. Matter of fact, some of y'all even have that in your NIV, ESV, in your Bible. It is the subheading. Just do good to all people. And so that is the therefore, that's the context for whatever's about to follow in verse 10. So as a result of all those things, being made new and pursuing these new godly attributes and virtues, here's the simple task. Therefore, when we have the opportunity, do good to all people. Let's just talk about opportunities. Some of y'all know, some of y'all are just savvy, right? Some of you all are more measured uh, uh, you're more calculated and, and, you know, you don't like to mess things up. You sit back. How many of y'all people, you, you, you know, you're not the first to charge in? You know, you, you, you're not the first to get there, but you usually are more successful because you've taken a little bit more time. We ain't talking about you today. We talking about them Pastor Tim kind of boneheads who just like, let's go! We, hey, Sam Husband know what I'm talking about. We used to call them folks, ah, you remember we used to call them on kickoff? Wedge busters. Brother, just, we just watch these people on film and all of a sudden we just see bodies just starting falling. Just, whether it was their body or somebody else's body, boom, they just like collide. They first in. These people who Paul are talking about and the exhortation here is to be opportunistic. This is about eagerness. This is about being vigilant for the opportunity to do good, not just waiting on an opportunity to come to you. Some of y'all are good people, right? When you have the opportunity, when the opportunity presents itself. You know, I'm not a bad person. I'm very kind. I'm altruistic. I give when the opportunity arises. What Paul is saying, these are people who are making the opportunities happen. I'm looking for a reason, and I'm trying to create scenarios where I can be a blessing. Because this is evidence of the new life in Christ. I remember sitting and talking with Ak one day about how he kind of does his thing in his business. He's like, Tim, I wake up, I open up that laptop, and I just start looking. I'm just looking for properties. I said, that's all you do, bro? Yep, got to find a deal. I'm waiting on the opportunity. I wonder if you today... I know you're good people. I know you're very kind. I've been your pastor for five years now. I know how you love people. But where are you at with your eagerness to do good? 
Do you find yourself being a little bit more reserved than you once were? Are you sitting back on your heels? Or are you anxiously, eagerly, aggressively looking for opportunities to demonstrate the kindness that marks people who are Christ? Won't be opportunistic to do good. Let's talk about doing good. Because we need to be opportun opportunistic about doing good to all people. That seems really simple, but this is a biblical standard. God is good. It is what he is. He is goodness, right? And he is the standard setter for what it means to be good. And this has been throughout all of scripture. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those who, to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it, right? There's a thing, whatever good is, we're not supposed to hold it. We're not supposed to hoard it. When we get the opportunity, Paul says we need to be eager about trying to find the opportunities. But even in Proverbs, when something I have in my possession, my time, talent, or treasure, right? If I've got it, the means to be good to somebody, I should be extending it, right? That's what Proverbs says. Hebrews um, goes on to say, in uh, the 16th verse, 13 chapter 16 verse, that through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. Verse 16, and do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So that's New Testament, right? First Thessalonians 5, 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. I know we don't have, that's nobody in this room. Y'all passed that, huh? Yeah, y'all passed that. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. What is goodness? In the Greek, goodness kind of carries this idea of generosity, right? It's liberal in giving, right? It's, it's, it's categorized by abundance, extra. Everybody say extra. My favorite, generous portions. You know, I got grade school children, and uh, you know, you know, we 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 uh, uh, we were home the other day, and um, one of them forgot their lunch. I packed all these people's lunches. I got them labeled Cheeto bag, you know, juice bag. You know, I do all this stuff at night. Now the little one talking back too. Now it's great. I slave to make all these people's lives so great. That's right, that's right, that's right. Well, one of them forgot their lunch. And uh, so we asked, we like, man, what you eat today? Uh, and they started, I was like, huh? I was like, bruh, we used to love cafeteria food. I don't know what Michelle Obama done did to these children, but when I was going to school, when I was going to school, I'd be like, bro, let me get your lunch number today, bro. What's up? What's up, man? Let me hold it, bro. Come on, let me. What? Zero foot. And then sometimes I get bold. I start making up numbers. I come up there. I have my whole plate. I'd be there. i say, zero, two, one, two. Baby, that number already been used today. I said, oh, really? I didn't know. My mama, it, it, you get on out of this line. Because my favorite place in the world was cafeteria. And then every once in a while, you know, we had peach cobbler day. You know what I'm saying? I'd be asking, the, can you put a little more on there? You know what I'm saying? I'd be looking for generous portions. Because I was a spoiled southern brat, 
right? I was just used to aunties who just took care of me, who took pride. How many folks got some aunties that just took pride in feeding you well? I'm talking about you come in there with a plate. And they, huh, come here, baby. That's a generous portion. You know what I'm saying? You know, you're not really eating unless you get a and make all the noise, stuff falling over, right? I'm just used to people overfeeding me and giving me generous portions. And to be a doer of good the way that Paul is trying to describe it is not, it, it kind of goes back, this is not a begrudging person. This is somebody who's on their front foot, not to just do enough for people, but to give them more than what they deserve. And I wonder if we have an example of somebody who ever gives us more than we deserve. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. That's why you better be careful with some of your attitudes about justice. You better be careful with some of your attitudes about community work. Because I know that, you know, you got a lot of books and you got a lot of science and you got a lot of research about a lot of stuff. But I'm just saying, if you come into certain aspects and you come into certain places and you've already designated what you're going to give and what you're not going to do, I think you're kind of missing it. I think you probably need to be set on maybe this will probably require more than what I'm willing to give. I'm prepared for that. I'm prepared to be not just good enough, but more than enough because my God is always more than enough. This is a person who's not coming in with limits. And I'm not saying that at some point that it is absolutely biblical to, hey man, we got to cut this off. We're enabling you, we're stifling you, and we do have to have a limit. But I'm just saying, you probably don't need to go into situations set on that. I'm just ready. I want to be a vessel. I want to be a doer of good. But here's the thing where I really wanted to harp today is this word especially. So we'll be eager to be opportunistic, to find ways to create opportunities where we can be overly generous. Because that's a fruit of what it means to have the new life of Christ in us, to be hidden in him. But then it adds this qualifier, right? Especially. Everybody say especially. That word means most of all. If you got a pen, write them down. These are pretty cool. That word especially means most of all. It means above all. It means first and above all. It means certainly, precisely, supremely, of the highest degree. When that word especially is there, it is trying to rearrange your agenda and your priorities. That actually, you know, when we get these generic, love everybody, be kind, do good, which is universal and it's really sweet and it's great for bumper stickers and tattoos and things like that. But as the scriptures are trying to bear down on your life, it is giving you a little bit of an order for how we do good and maybe who gets the preference. The word especially means that there's a group of people who we need to make sure are experiencing goodness. And it's the household of faith. Now, I know that we live really complicated lives. 
But if you don't think the Galatian Christians were living just as complicated a lives as you are now, then, you're, then you are somebody who's a little bit out of touch. Yes, we got more things and we probably have more at our disposal, but to serve Jesus in the first century may have been more difficult or just as difficult as it is right now. So don't read the scriptures with arrogance and be like, oh, that was easy for them. I bet this was really hard for them to figure out how to do good to everybody and then give priority to the people who are now working out this new conviction alongside of them. This is a hard thing. And I know that everything in our world right now is telling us that we need to live balanced lives and we need to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and we need to have equity and you know what I'm saying, things need to be properly proportioned. But in case you missed it, when you come to Jesus, he then starts to rearrange and reprioritize your whole deal. And if you've not heard that or bought into that, then once again, we need to go back to 101 because that's why we gave our life to him. This is not just a party about forgiveness. This is not just a party because I'm so stressed out and anxious and Jesus can calm and give me peace. Yes, he can, but he's also taking that life too. Let me have that. That's a part of the deal. You want the benefits? Let me get that life. Let me get it. You want joy unspeakable? I got you. I got joy in abundance. But let me get that life though. I wonder how many of us are still pulling that neck back. And I will maintain that a part of that is our fault because we have started rearranging the gospel and people get five years in and we told them they could be forgiven and they don't have to think that they're a horrible person no more and then five years in they realize that they actually got to start doing stuff because they're a part of the kingdom they're like what nobody taught me that i think that's our fault we have to not only give people the beauty of the benefits of walking with jesus but the beauty of the exchange that there is a gift and a demand to salvation. And that when you come to Jesus, you lay down your life and you learn a new way to live. And it is one where you prioritize the house, especially those who are in the household of faith, right? Now, check me out. The household of faith. Paul talks about this, Ephesians 2.19. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners, strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You're built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We were in Colossians 1 on our little uh, discipleship group uh, on Thursdays. And we're talking about this rich inheritance that the people who belong to Jesus have, right? Um, one of the things that Christianity is trying to scream at you is that you are no, Galatians 2.20, right? It's no longer but Christ who lives within me. I have a new identity, 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? All, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation, right? And because of this new identity, we have new marching orders and we have new priorities. If, if nothing else, hear me on that. 
If I am in Christ Jesus, I have new identity markers and a new priorities, new priority list. If you don't buy that, then none of the other stuff will make sense to you. You'll always be like, man, why, 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 why? It's because it was trying to tell you from day one, you were buried with Christ. Now you're raised in newness of life. You are a new person and you have new priorities. Not ones you figure out, but ones you've been given to you. Paul is consistently trying to help them understand that. That the most important people in your world are not the family you were born into. And I know some of y'all, we can shake our heads, but this is, a t this is your place. You know, the rich young ruler? And you know, that kind of proposition was only made that one time, really, in all the scripture. We never ever see God telling anybody else to, hey, sell all the stuff you have and come follow me. But that was his thing. But some of y'all, if Jesus said, hey man, you gotta part with mama, daddy, auntie to follow me, you'd be like, I'm out. Because this is my primary identity marker. Luke 18, Jesus says, I came to divide. I came to bring the sword. And guess what though? There will be nobody who comes and follow me who hasn't given up mama, daddy, sister, brother, who will not receive more in this time and in the one to come. Jesus is redefining some of y'all, whether it is your biological family, your alma mater, your race, your fraternity, where you live. There are people in this room who are beholden to a more stronger identical connection than they are Christ. That's what I'm trying to say. If anybody gonna get shorted, it's gonna be the household of faith. Cause you know, you gotta do your fraternity thing. If anybody gonna miss out, it's gonna be the household of God. Cause you know, you gotta do your intramurals. If anybody gonna miss out, it's gonna be your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Because you know what I'm saying? I gotta finish the degree program. Let's just be honest. Christianity is not how you primarily identify yourself. It is not your primary story. Some of us in this room. But until it becomes it, then we're missing out on some really beautiful things and the things that this body and this ecosystem needs to survive. And what I'm trying to say in the most ineloquent way possible is that our primary core story has to be I once was lost and now I'm found. And I belong to this new thing. And this new thing informs everything that I do. As a matter of fact, one of the things that one of our elders said a couple of weeks ago is we have to make sure that our people understand when they come to membership here that we are prioritizing this house. That yes, I could go walk with my friends from X place and X group, but you know what? I know that there's some girls in my ministry, I'm, we need to get some time. So I guess what, I could walk with them, but I am gonna walk with them. Like I could do game night with all my buddies from work, but you know what? I belong to this thing, I'ma do with them. That's just a part of prioritizing the house because the people in this place who God is trying to build up and nurture so that they can make it faithfully to him, they need you, they need your real life, and they need the goodness that you bring. We got choices, y'all, that's what I'm saying. That's why this scripture is about priorities, because you do live really complicated, challenging lives, and you do have to make 35,000 choices a day. And what this scripture is trying to say is that your identity in Christ should be bearing down on that. 
And that means that you might miss some class reunions. It also means that somebody else could be receiving some goodness that helps them see the Lord Jesus more clearly and more beautifully that they could have never got if you were not present and a part of a family of believers. We need you. Twice this week, separate occasions, I was talking to somebody who, it's a funny story. They were in the car line dropping off their kids at school. Everybody, you know what time it is, early in the morning. I just got to get my kid to school, worshiping the time, God. I got to get my kid to school. I got to move on. And so you don't care about anything. You don't care about the little kids. You're just trying to do what you got to do to get on wherever you got to go. And so this person saw that there was kind of some kind of log jam, and they were like, man, you know, this is a really simple fix. If somebody would just take a, inconvenience themselves just a little bit, we can free up all this traffic. But guess what? She said car after car, just kept going, just kept going, just kept going. Ended up bumping her, waited about five minutes in line. Then the person just began to question himself, man, I should have just did what they did. I should've just did what they did. They didn't care, I should've just did that. I talked with one of my favorite MTR teachers this week, sit down having some coffee. And the literal question about, man, you know what, I'm questioning whether or not this is, you know, the season for me, and we know this is a mature person, so we know that teaching for the rest of their life may or may not be the call. But the question about whether or not they were actually making a difference, it was just looming. It's like, man, you know, I don't know. I don't know if actually me doing good is actually doing anything. You want to know why the priority is here to do good, especially to the house of faith? It's because those people are the ones who are most vulnerable, y'all. I know some of you are in this room and you are on the verge of just saying, forget it. Let me just do what everybody else in my society is doing. Look out for myself. Because I'm not sure if doing good is actually working towards the green. Let me just take a little more. Let me just do a little less. This is why we got to prioritize making sure our soldiers stay fed. You know, that's one of the most imp important things in military strategy. I'm preaching this to, to Ralph, he know more about it than me. But you know, your soldiers, if they not fed through the winter, they ain't fighting for you. If the ones who are supposed to be on the front line aren't receiving the generosity and the goodness they need, they will not push forward. And I know you need to know in this room, some people are making very big decisions, even subtle decisions about how much they're going to give to God's church. Y'all, I don't know. We don't have to be there all, every day, all week. Y'all, we don't have to stay after. Y'all, we don't have to sign up for nursery. Y'all, we don't need to put the stuff up. Because is it, in the big grand scheme of things, does it really matter? Absolutely. Absolutely. Your brother and sister in this room is hanging on by a thread. They need some people, spirit-filled people, to be generous, to be opportunistic, 
to be creative about how they can do generous things for each other so we can keep them on the battlefield, y'all. We need people who would, who would just wait. Give me 20 more minutes from Central Barbecue so we can baptize these babies. And I know it's chaotic in this room. I know it's chaotic, but if you give me a couple more minutes, I can tell you some stories about how God uses the word so that we can keep furthering his kingdom. We need to know, I love 1 Corinthians, I go to it often. Because Christian, the gospel is not just a theological statement, it's a way. The cruciform life is a way we do our thing. This is why we have to follow Christ's example because it's a way of living. It's not just something we assent to or believe in. That essentially everybody else for all human history said, oh, okay, it's the strong people, it's the most powerful people, it's the people with the most money, it's the smartest people. Those people run the world. First Corinthians 1 said, eh, as a matter of fact, Jesus specifically says, I'm going to evade them, and I'm going to choose the weak things of the world to put to shame the wise. And that actually Christ, true wisdom, true power, true victory. But you know, that is, that's always the space you know, they used to have, um, in ancient times, they would put a donkey's head on top of the cross. Because I know most of our people, and so we're politically correct, like we wouldn't say stu that's stupid, but the reality is, y'all, what we believe is really crazy. It is going against the grain of culture. Take less, do more, sacrifice more. That's not, everybody's not doing that. But what we need to be convinced of more and more is that that foolishness will win. Every time you turn on the news and you see another shooting, and every time you go to reports and you see more statistics, and every time you encounter the darkness and the brokenness of the world, the question is looming. Will good overcome evil? And we got to remind ourselves that that cross says absolutely yes. When we come to the table today, it's to remind that we're proclaiming the Lord's death until it comes. You thought you crucified the Lord of glory, but he will rise again. And the good that we do, the generosity that we extend is because he extended it and we keep doing it because we believe that one day it will overcome it and that goodness is permeating throughout. We're infiltrating the world. Jesus Christ and his kingdom of goodness and generosity is infiltrating this world and we still believe in it. you close your eyes with me today? Where you at today?
Are you just doing your own thing? Is that, is that this season of life? Hey man, I'm just trying to get the kids. Hey man, I'm just trying to get the money. Hey man, I'm just trying to get the education. Where, where are you at? And where does doing good, especially to those who are in the house of the faith, where is that on the priority list? Maybe today you have succumbed to that spirit of cynicism and pessimism. And you don't believe, it's just tough to you believe that doing good things is actually productive. It's, is it making a difference? Is it making a dent? Kids just going to be kids and there's no use of trying. Memphis is just a bad, you know, what, what, where are you today with your relationship with good? Just want to remind you, everything we've been asked to do in scripture is what someone has already done for us. Someone looked for an opportunity to pluck sinners from the dungeon of darkness and bring them into the marvelous light of his kingdom. And he did it at great expense to himself. 